0: You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, episode 58, Lucifer.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sci-Fi Fidelity. This is Mike and Dave with you. And it's looking like June is going to be Neil Gaiman month here on the podcast, And we're starting off with Lucifer. We've got good omens coming later in the month, but I thought that was an interesting theme that we didn't even intend.
0: Yeah. As opposed to (laughs) demon and devil month.
1: (laughs) That's right. But Lucifer has been around for a while and Dave's been reviewing it uh, for a while as well for Den of Geek. And this is the first time we've talked about it. Dave, is it going to be something that is different because it was picked up by Netflix or is it pretty much the same flavor for those who enjoyed it when it was on Fox.
0: Well, it's a little bit of both. You, you thought that maybe they'd get a little edgier since they're on Netflix and, and they did get a little edgier, but it was still basically the same Lucifer procedural that we were used to. But what, I noticed the biggest change is that it was more of a serial from episode one to episode 10, and and not that they didn't carry over arcs from week to week when it was on Fox, but it, it was certainly more obvious in this case.
1: Well, 22 episodes versus 10, really.
0: Well, you know, and that's the thing. Lucifer has been on for four seasons now, the first three on Fox. 13 episodes in the first 18 oh, okay. and then 26 and i i think the fact that they never really found a, a balance hurt the show and when i say hurt the show it maybe made it Some weeks only really good, not great, (laughs) because even the weaker episodes were still really good. Uh, The fourth season on Netflix has only 10 episodes. They were about four or five minutes longer. But if you don't know Lucifer, it's a fantasy police procedural based on a character from the Sandman comic series, which evolved into the comic series Lucifer, which is a Neil Gaiman co-created character, both comic series published by DC Comics and Vertigo. And the basic premise is that the devil has grown restless, overseeing the inhabitants of hell, decides to take a vacation. If you're going to take a vacation, where do you go? L.A., of course. <laughs> yeah. As Lucifer Morningstar, played by Tom Ellis, he runs a nightclub called Lux with the help of his bodyguard demon, Mazakine, played by Leslie Ann Brandt, who I certainly know from the librarians. I know you do as well. Yeah. Uh, his brother, the angel Amenadiel, played by D.B. Woodside, who I also know from Suits, later joins him on Earth at the behest of their father to return the errant fallen angel to his post in hell. So that's a big part of the storyline, is that dear old dad wants Lucifer back overseeing his minions in hell. And, of course, he likes it on Earth, as does his brother, as it turns out.
1: I was going to say, because it seems like the farther we get into the series especially Amenadiel, gets his own storylines where he's trying to figure out life on this planet, fatherhood, some other things. So I think they've really been able to branch out a bit with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes it such a great show is that, yes, it's a police procedural. And, and you know, I think neither of us is really that fond of police procedurals. <laughs> yeah. But it's certainly done differently here. And while the crime of the week certainly ties into what the characters are going through, it's generally pushed into the background to make way or to provide an impetus for something the characters are doing or uh, experiencing. So while Lucifer's on Earth, he ends up working with an LAPD detective named Chloe Decker, played by Lauren German. And he's a special consultant. And until the end of season three, She simply believes his contention that he is, in fact, the devil is nothing more than a fantasy, which, of course, makes sense. If she believed his stories that he's (laughs) the devil, then I think she'd be the one that needed to seek help.
1: In fact, season three, three seasons is a long time to wait for that
0: reveal to happen. (laughs) Right. And there are a lot of clues along the way, but... One of the other things that makes the story interesting is that Lucifer's convinced that God, his father, has put Chloe in his path to manipulate him in some way. He doesn't exactly know. I mean, certainly there's the, you know, get him back to hell motif, but that's certainly something that, that remains in play.
1: Well, and I think it's not necessarily manipulation. I think what becomes clearer, maybe even more so in season four, is that Chloe is not a coincidence. He, right. It might not be what he thinks it is, but it's something.
0: Right, and and we certainly know that because when he's around her, he's physically vulnerable, and he can theoretically be killed. He, he's certainly taken you know several bullets, you know other weapons, but he he knows he's physically vulnerable, and, and as you imply, if not that she was put in his way, then how do you explain that?
1: Yeah. There's gotta be something to her presence.
0: Right now. One of the great stories in season four is father Kinley's plan to return Lucifer to hell. And, and father Kinley is played just wonderfully (laughs) by Graham McTavish, who we know from outlander and preacher and preacher. And the thing that now going into season four, and this was of course the big cliffhanger at the end of season 3, Lucifer reveals his true self to Chloe, shows her his devil face, and Well,
1: was that a mistake or was that on purpose?
0: I it was on purpose, I believe. Okay. I mean, I think he's got control. So I really do believe it was deliberate. So now that we begin season 4, she's been gone for a month, no word to anyone. Turns out that she found her way intentionally or not to Rome and the Vatican meets with Father Kinley who specializes in exorcisms, and it's never exactly clear you know why Lucifer needs an exorcism because at first <laughs> yeah. we think All right, does he just feel like this is a regular guy who believes he's the devil and I'm going to exorcise him, but no, he really does believe he's the devil,
1: yeah, it seems like he's using it to persuade Chloe that that he's an okay guy to consult because the prophecy and all that doesn't come out until later. Right. But isn't it true though, that Chloe was just on vacation with Trixie? It seemed to be fortuitous that she ran into him.
0: Well, see, we don't really know. All we know is that she disappeared. And I mean, I think common sense tells me that she was so spooked. She takes her daughter. And again, like I said, whether she deliberately goes to Rome or if she just, left the country and somehow ended up there we don't really know yeah but the important part of the plan is that it depends on her to drug lucifer put him in a weakened state so that kinley can do his thing and as the season opens and and in fact through much of the season she's prepared to do that and what changes her mind is that she realizes along the way, and I guess you could argue that she's really known this for quite some time, that this is not the devil of Christian mythology.
1: Right. And it does seem like the the trip to Rome in that sense is kind of like a trip through traditional Catholicism and trying to get rid of the misconceptions she might have. So, yeah, in that sense, I guess Rome is not necessarily a coincidental destination.
0: Right. And I mean, certainly he's self-centered, hedonistic, but it becomes pretty clear early on that he'll do anything to ensure Chloe's safety. And even maybe more importantly to Chloe, the safety of her daughter, Trixie. And unfortunately, Trixie's a casualty of the move to Netflix because we rarely see her. And she is so great. Uh, she is just wonderful character. No, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. But she's you know so desperate to take down Lucifer. Kinley even goes to the extent of arranging two murders that he believes will lure Lucifer into his trap. And in the end, we see his superior who thinks Kinley's the one that's nuts, has him arrested for conspiracy to commit murder, initiates excommunication proceedings, and, and Kinley ends up in prison. But uh, the plan uh, takes a drastic turn. I guess we could say When Eve becomes involved in the scheme, and I'm going to talk about Eve in a minute, and yes, it's that Eve.
1: (laughs) The first Eve.
0: Right. And her actions not only lead to Kinley's death, but also the release of demons from hell, one of whom now inhabits Kinley's body. And and certainly we thought, oh, man, Graham McTavish is so great. Too bad he's going to be dead. But no. We get him back just in a <laughs> in a different situation.
1: This almost is like a nice little marriage of his roles in Outlander and Preacher. Oh, absolutely. We did talk to him on this podcast about those two roles. It would be kind of fun to get him back on the podcast to talk about this one. <laughs>
0: right. And the interesting thing is that the demons that have been released from hell are angry because they feel their king abandoned them and must now have a replacement. Now, I mentioned Eve, and, and certainly that's one of the other stories that takes place in season four. And yes, that Eve. And she leaves heaven and comes to Earth. And Eve is played by Inbar Levy, who I know from The Imposters, And uh, she's just so delightful. I just love her to death, and, and which is why I ended up watching Imposters, And now I'm waiting for a, another series of that. But she simply turns up one night in Lux. And though her story that she's simply looking for action after the boredom of heaven does seem to eventually hold up for at least three quarters of the season. We're wondering whether Lucifer's father sent her as part of a plan to get him back to hell. And and it doesn't turn out that way, at least as, as season four ends.
1: Well, do they characterize her as uh, an ex-girlfriend? Yes. Of Lucifer's?
0: Absolutely. And she simply wants to reconnect with her first love. She goes through this, this long exposition about how she was just basically created for Adam and, and, you know, the whole male dominance thing, which of course is, is true. And that while Adam wasn't terrible to her, he, she knows he never loved her and that Lucifer was her first love. And, and so, yes, the the whole ex-girlfriend uh, concept is is there.
1: Now, this could have been so wrong. That's what's so great about this character and right. the actress playing her, is that this could have just been so contrived. And the fact that it worked out so smoothly is is really a testament to the writing and to the casting.
0: Right. And look, she's obviously a beautiful woman, but it's the naivety that she plays Eve with that that just makes her so adorable and just so relatable. And... And, you know, we really feel for her when she feels that she's losing Lucifer to Chloe. But what makes that storyline so great is that the two women recognize that each has a connection to Lucifer, yet they really never go at each other they develop this mutual admiration and and respect. And and I just think that's a great way to to play out this storyline. And the great thing about Eve and her character is that the longer she's on Earth, the longer that she pursues Lucifer and tries to get him to love her back. And for a time, it appears that she's successful. And she moves into the penthouse with him. They're basically boyfriend and girlfriend, but she comes to the realization that she doesn't really like who she is and eventually sets off on a journey of self-discovery setting up a return for season five and you know we'll see where where that goes but the other thing I love she bristles anytime she hears the word partners to identify Lucifer's relationship with Chloe and and like I said she learns to respect and, and even like Chloe and there's that great scene where she dresses exactly like Chloe (laughs) and the detective comes in, finds Eve sitting at her desk working on files. I mean the exact same blazer pants, everything. I mean, exact hair done the same way. And ironically Eve is the one that comes up with a plan to draw out the guilty party in in, in that episode's procedural aspect. But uh, the episode super bad boyfriend may be just the epitome of, of eve's character because lucifer decides the easiest way to break up with eve is to be a bad boyfriend yeah <laughs> and she returns to the penthouse expecting a nice night out with her man she's you know dressed up and she finds lucifer conducting a fantasy football draft which is wrong on so many levels for lucifer.
1: <laughs> of course yeah
0: <laughs> but instead of you know getting mad I don't want to say she gets even, but she fights fire with fire. She does the same thing. He comes home expecting to spend time with her and she's conducting her own fantasy football draft, except it's all guys. And that is just so great. And then, you know, at Lux, he makes a point of making out with a girl and Eve sees them. And then when Lucifer goes to get drink, Eve goes in, sits down next to the girl and starts making out with her (laughs) and Lucifer comes back. And ordinarily, Lucifer would be excited at the prospect, but that's not what he's after at at this point. And, you know, in the end, she exhibits heroism, quick thinking. She's the one that puts the bag over Dromo's head and Dromo's the, the demon that's now played by Graham McTavish so that Lucifer can take him out. And then at the end, Spike teal through the eye of a demon. It's like, it doesn't get any better than that.
1: It's all very Buffy-esque.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, and not, not to go too far off the uh, beaten path <laughs> of just getting back into Buffy started season five last night. So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Amenadil, Dr. Linda and the angel baby. Spoiler zone.
1: All right, this is a storyline that I'm very much excited that you included in our discussion because I love that Amenadil has things to do besides worry about Lucifer in season four. <laughs>
0: right. Now, Dr. Linda's played by Rachel Harris, and she's been in the show f- since the first season, and she is Lucifer's therapist, and she becomes the therapist to several of the other celestials as well. And they have a relationship. How serious it is, is, uh, you know, up for discussion. It seems as if he takes it much more seriously than she does. But that's not to say that she takes it super casually, but she gets pregnant and she gives birth to an angel baby. And this is the quintessential odd couple in that she's not only experienced with men, but She's had plenty of time as a therapist to consider the consequences of her actions and, and of course, the actions of others. But like Eve, he's so naive about a lot of things, and he's had his eyes open quite a bit, sometimes not positively. And certainly the episode in in this season where the young boy that he befriends ends up getting killed after a close call with the police by the drug dealer he was trying to escape –
1: well, and that's an interesting plot line, too, that kind of is a standalone, I feel like, where there weren't really any consequences for the overall story. It was just kind of, I guess, supposed to speak to Amenadiel's motivations and his perception of life, especially life as a black man, as a
0: human, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think the other thing that comes out of that is he's so concerned that he's not going to be a good father. And I think any of us that have watched his progression from when he first appeared in the series know he's going to be a wonderful father, but he has those self-doubts. And it's that connection with the young man that he befriends that that it really shows him, and, and the young man even tells him, you're going to be a great dad. But what's really bothering him is whether or not he wants his child to grow up on Earth amidst all the chaos and conflict, or in heaven. And uh, of course, when Linda first hears about that and he keeps it from her for quite a while, she of course thinks, well, that means he's going to be dead. And no, 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 he'll be able to travel back and forth because he'll be an angel. Uh, I think he might have to have supervision, but, but he's not going (laughs) to be dead. And it's interesting the way the two parents change their outlooks, because after the baby's kidnapped, Linda, tells amenadiel you're right he should be raised in heaven and amenadiel's no no one will protect him like we will and i think he as you kind of implied early in the discussion he likes what he sees on earth and part of what he likes is that things are not perfect and that people are not perfect and celestials are not perfect
1: they're not all pure, good or bad. This is, this is a theme that will be echoed in, in a couple of weeks when we talk about good omens, <laughs> right. Because, you know, celestials learn a lot about the human experience
0: when they spend time on earth. <laughs> right now, Mazikeen has really throughout the series been the odd person out in a lot of situations. Um, she has plenty of sexual partners. That's not the problem, but she doesn't have that true connection the way the others And throughout season four, that really becomes more evident. But Linda makes it clear, you're my best friend. And she does recognize that Mazikeen can go over the top a little bit. But the whole idea of Auntie Mays being part of the family is, I think, the the single thing that Mazikeen needs to hear in this season. And she does hear it and she's still looking for her place among the human and celestial family, but you know she's got a foot in the door. But the thing about the baby, and I don't know that we're done with this storyline if Lucifer gets renewed for a season five, because once the demons recognize Lucifer's not coming back to hell, they kidnap the angel baby because the king of hell has to be an angel, and, well, he's half-angel, that'll do. But Dromo figures that he can groom him to follow his wishes and we get that great visual shot and and again it, it seems like every show uses this uh, in some form lucifer amenadiel mazakine and eve entering the venue in which the baby is being held they're walking and it's it's slightly slowed down it's not really slow motion but you can tell It's slightly slowed down. If there were only three of them, one of them would be slightly ahead and the other would be flanking (laughs) them, but, uh, um, looking badass, (laughs) right? so that's, that's a great storyline that I think we're, we're certainly going to see in season five. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, anything that is game of Thrones, like where someone has the, the ear of the King, or in this case, the potential replacement for Lucifer is kind of a a cool plot to explore. And who better to do that than Grant McTavish? (laughs) Right,
0: right. Now, the thread that seems to weave itself throughout everything is, of course, Chloe and Lucifer's relationship. And after the revelation of his devil face, she's got to come to terms with what it is that she sees. And once she does that and accepts that's who he is, she starts seeing him in a different light. And she eventually does come to that conclusion that, You know, you're not the devil that all of these priests and ministers have been preaching about for thousands of years. You're different now. Maybe you were, but you're not now. And that's what's, again, so great about his character. But it's not an easy process. And I think if it was an easy process as a viewer— We would say, you know, as writers, you're really not doing what you should be doing. And early on, she recoils at his touch. He puts his hand on her her shoulder. And again, I talked about Amenadiel being naive and Eve being naive. He notices it, but he doesn't understand it. So he goes to Dan, who is Chloe's ex-husband, and asks what it means. And of course, Dan and... Lucifer have never gotten along dan has really come to i don't even think it's it's overstating that he hates lucifer and he says yeah it means you disgust her and it really you know it has a significant impact on her and one of their later conversations he tries to get across that well that's not all that i am being the devil And she tells him what I saw was my partner. And I think at that point in the season, I'm not sure I totally believe her because that's, I think, at about the midpoint of the season. I think at that she's still I mean, how could you not? You know, (laughs) you saw the devil. Yeah. And that's
1: what's so strange about the Netflix model coming into play this late in the game, because you don't have the week off in between each story to see Chloe's evolution of coming to terms with this. So depending on how you watched it as a viewer might color your judgment of Chloe's decision to see things a certain way in one episode and another way in a later episode.
0: Right. And and through it all, we watch as she's trying to work through this, she starts asking him, well, what's it like in hell? (laughs) It's basically, well, how many people have you killed? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's still ready to go ahead with the plan. But now he's learned about it through Father Kinley, who's taking a different approach because he, he knows that Chloe's wavering and he demands to see her purse, suspecting that she has the vial of the drug in there, which, of course, she does. And then she gives us the uh, the classic line. It's not what you think. But it's really the breaking point for him, and he decides to stop working with her for a time, although after a session with Dr. Linda, he realizes he needs closure, so he goes back. But uh, Mays confronts Chloe about the plot, and it's her declaration that Linda handled it much better than you, which is something I haven't mentioned, because Linda— was the only human that had seen Lucifer's devil face. She was having a sexual liaison with him. Um, I mean, I guess it was a relationship of sorts. It was more, she was his therapist and he paid with sex because he's really good at it, I
1: guess. <laughs> well, I mean, we also have to give Linda a little bit more credit because of her ability to probably have detachment as a therapist. That's right. probably one of her skill sets. You right
0: know? Now, once Eve shows up again, Chloe, you know, we talked a little bit about Chloe and Eve, but Chloe tells Linda, there's no way she knows the real Lucifer like I do, which I don't think at that point she knows this is the Eve. But the fact is, she's right. I really no, she's don't. She's totally right. Yeah. knows
1: was an earlier iteration of Lucifer. Yeah. not yeah. Not one who has been changed by his time on earth
0: right but i I love the crystallization of the fundamental conflict between lucifer and chloe i go to parent teacher conferences and you host sex parties (laughs) (laughs) and when you boil it down to that essence yeah that's that's kind of true it's maybe oversimplifying things well uh,
1: isn't there also there's a bit in the middle of the uh season i think there's an episode called orgy pants to work or something like that, <laughs> where they really had to get Lucifer to make a decision between the constant orgies and the more serious life. So, right. you know, yes. he's obviously going through a crisis of identity. This right. Season.
0: Right. And and that was so great because it was really about respecting not only the people you work with, but respecting the job. Yeah. And, and that's clearly a sign that you, you don't respect what it is we do. And, and it was an eye opener for him. I I think he, he took it to heart, and you had the love in that episode. The way he covered up his assless pants was with <laughs> uh, crime scene tape.
1: Which, and that's the only difference for Netflix, for those wondering if there's more profanity or violence. Just a little bit more Tom Ellis ass yes. in, this, <laughs> in the Netflix version. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, we do get a little bit of Ella also in, in uh, okay. the one scene when they go to the nudist colony. but uh, And the language is a little bit racier but but not a lot that's why well, i said it you know be- what
1: i hear though actually is that the special effects the devil face and the wings and and different things like that have been ramped up right. significantly especially if you go back to season 1 right
0: but what the season boils down to is that lucifer realizes that this is all about him hating himself for who he thinks he is and it takes chloe to help him change his outlook and then in the season finale when he explains why he's going back to hell, she pleads, You can't leave me, I love you. And then he tells her, My first was never Eve, it was always you, Chloe. And that speaks to Kinley's prophecy that once the devil's first love comes to earth, and and, and of course, Kinley thinks that uh that it's Eve, and and or, or he thinks initially it's it's Chloe. But the reason he goes to hell is basically to protect mankind from the demons. Because if he doesn't go there, then who's going to be running things? Dromo? Or, well, it can't be Dromo because he's not an angel. But he sacrifices his love for Chloe to do what needs to be done to protect mankind. And and it's just, you know, you talk about character development.
1: Well, and that's a great way to go out in season four. But it it is... Very telling that season four, you know, began with this situation with Father Kinley. And then it, as time went on, you're like, there's more to this prophecy than just a, a, a surface uh, vendetta that this, this man of faith has. And they don't play it all the way out. They leave plenty of room for this prophecy to play out in, in future seasons. So right. good choice of a, of a long term story thread.
0: Right. I mean, we do have doubts about Kinley, but he does seem to believe what it is he's trying to do. And on one level, he is right. This is the devil, but he's wrong in that it's not the devil that he thinks it is. This devil has changed. Unfortunately, I mentioned Trixie as, as a casualty of, of season four on netflix there's not a whole lot of character development of dan espinoza chloe's ex-husband also a detective you know we see mostly he's just angry and and, and we understand he he's angry over the death of charlotte uh, who was played by trisha helfer in, in seasons two and three but he's mostly angry i think at lucifer and just the way lucifer seems to always be able to get on with things and then we don't see a lot from forensic scientist Ella Lopez. I, again, I mean, we see her in every episode. Don't get me wrong. But but we don't see a lot of character development there. And, and I get it. They've only got 10 episodes. She They're, they're also dealing
1: with the loss of Trisha Helfer's character as well. Well, right?
0: she's also dealing with a loss of faith, which is certainly something that that plays into everything going on around her. But at this point, we wait to learn whether or not Netflix is going to renew this series. Hopefully Tom Ellis won't have to go to Twitter and other social media like he did last time to get another season for this wonderful supernatural police procedural. And I never thought I would say all those words in one sentence.
1: (laughs) I don't think they will. I mean, from what I've been seeing uh, the buzz has been that Lucifer has been very binged by those who maybe didn't catch the first three seasons on Fox and saw season four in their playlist and thought, what's this show and checked it out from the beginning. So I think you might have a lot more fans on board if what I'm hearing is true. So we shall see.
0: Okay. So what do we have? What do we have up next, Mike?
1: Well, next we have an interview edition of the podcast and we're going to be talking to Patrick McManus, who's an executive producer on Sci-Fi's Happy, which recently concluded. And it was a great show that's based on a Grant Morrison comic of the same name. And Patrick talked to us a little bit about the evolution of that show. Not sure if that show is going to come back for a season three, but he talked to us a little bit about how season two went beyond the original source material. And then he also shared with us other projects that he's working on for universal content productions, who has an overall deal with him writing series for that production company. And one of the ones that he's going to be talking about, we're very excited about. And that's Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five. So very exciting to talk to him about his upcoming projects, as much as the ones that are already in the, uh, in the can.
0: Yep. Pulled that one off the shelf a couple days ago. I think it's time to reread it.
1: early in the stages of development but it's still a lot of fun to to talk to uh, who's going to be steering the ship later on so join us for that interview next Sunday but that's it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity keep the discussion going on social media you can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US and we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity
0: and in the meantime we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you access it Be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or via email at sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com.
1: Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.